Hey, my friend, this is Joe Bakmotsky and welcome to Simplify Cancer Podcast. Listen, I can't wait for you to really check out the conversation that I've had with Jeff just now. And Jeff really has been doing these incredible things with Young Adult Cancer Canada for so many years now. I mean, Jeff's not only founded the organization and is is the executive director, but he's just a beautiful human being, and we really talk about you know what it's like to be a young adult who has to deal with cancer, and really how to connect with people who've been through it, you know, just like you, but also how to connect with people around you, and really how to make make sense of of life after cancer, and how to really make a difference in your own way that really helps you to live the life that you want. And listen, Jeff will also be like lifting the lid on the super exciting virtual event that you can join that Yak is doing for young adults and those who love them. And I can't wait for you to hear about that. But listen, Jeff, I know you've gone through cancer as a young adult and we'll, we'll cover, uh, cover all that ground in there as well, Jeff. But first of all, I want to know like, what was life like before cancer? Yeah, um, before cancer, I would say it was very similar to a lot of young adults. Um, I was loving life. Like I was, I was having the time of my life. I was pushing my limits anywhere I could find them. And uh, I had just, um, so before cancer, I had just finished university, studied business and had started my own business when I was in university and uh, was having a great time just cutting a path and starting something from nothing and kind of born and raised in an entrepreneurial family. So it was really always in my heart that I was going to start my own business. Uh, So I had been doing that and, uh, you know, finished uh, my last exam uh, for my business degree and moved out of my parents' house the same week. had you know just an amazing summer after that uh with buddies and uh, just uh, you know playing lots of sports Uh, hockey and soccer were the biggest ones for me and uh and then uh just honestly loving what i was doing i uh even before that i think i was always kind of that guy like always you know pretty adaptable and um able to find happiness in some of the toughest situations but um, largely unaware of what was going on around me, very kind of just like in the moment. Um, So, but as I grew and went through university, that really evolved a a fair bit. And I can see, even then I remember remarking how different I was aware I was after university compared to before. So I really had this huge transformation of self within that five years that I was doing my business degree. And um, and that just gave me even more confidence to go take on the world. And that's really what I, I felt I was doing. And that's what I was, if you asked me, that's what I would tell you. I was taking on the world and ready to take over the world. And, um, and I felt like I could do it. Yeah, absolutely. Man. And that's, and I think that's such a, such a great really description of so many of us who go through cancer as, as young adults is you're just in a stage where you're growing and you said you're going through a transformation, right? Like so many things were changing. And, uh, and then like, how did you kind of, uh, then you kind of, you find out that you have cancer, like how did things change from then on? 
So, um, you know, I, uh, I'm, I'm pretty headstrong, which has got some strengths and, and advantages sometimes. Um, but that would mean, you know, sometimes I have a tendency to override the emotions. Um, so when I, when I was diagnosed, um, I did very, like I kind of very, took a very strategic methodical assessment originally in the first, you know, hours really. And then the first days and weeks, but after I got my head settled around that, then I did a lot, I, I, you know, I allowed myself a little bit of space to feel the reality of what I was up against, which of course, in those early moments, early days, weeks, months, even very few of us have any real idea what it is we're up against and what the road ahead is going to look like. Right. Like as much as the docs could prepare us, um, there's no, there's no real way. And that's probably like life, right? Like how very few times, I guess you can't predict even to use my degree, my university, like you can't predict what your whole five years is going to be like the first semester you're in school. So, uh, that was very much for me. So I headstrong and, um, looking for you know the the lessons i did kind of thankfully tune into that early um i had this this really strong feeling from within that i was going to learn a lot of important shit about life and um all the things in it and uh so i tried to tune myself into that um but uh, honestly i i always had my optimism grounded in realism so I've never tried to be or just by by nature been one of those, you know, always the sun is shining, always roses, always. That's not how I live my life. And it was the same when I got cancer. So I really I wanted to know from my docs, like, what what are the odds of this? Like, what what are what is my prognosis? I want to know what I'm dealing with here. And then I'm going to try and find the the good and the optimism within that path. And that's that's kind of how I. I started that process and um, how I moved through it. Um, There's a lot of ups and downs within that time frame, of course. Um, but in the early days, that's kind of how I approached it was uh, be headstrong and allow myself some moments to, to tune into what I was feeling. But um, I didn't let that uh, I didn't let that rule the day. Um, and even for better or for worse, right? It's not that that's the best way for anybody to deal. It was just the way I dealt uh, in those early early days. Yeah, good on you, Jeff, because it's, it's such a huge thing. I think what you're describing is really, is in many ways, really taking control of the situation where you you kind of go, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really try to really figure out what's going on. I'm going to like look at the facts and then kind of kind of going to take that on and and you know really really try to really deal with um with the reality of what's going on and you know uh like looking back on it now jeff like what is i guess like the hardest thing about you know, i guess the the cancer experience with all of those the ups and downs that you mentioned yeah i mean there there was a lot of hard parts um there's no question, like probably, probably in moment, um, I didn't, I didn't or worry too much about the, the hard parts. There was a lot of loss. Like I moved back home with my parents, for example, I shut my business down. I, <clears throat> I was disconnected from friends, uh, a fair bit, like during when I was in hospital and 
kind of chemo and those kinds of things. Um, but in the immediate moment, those things didn't bother me. I was probably more focused on what was going on in my life and how I was going to get to the next phase, next round of chemo, next step kind of thing, right? Um, it, it, there's no question, um, deciding to have a bone marrow transplant was a huge decision for me. Um, and, uh, and then three months after that, I, uh, I got an infection in my Hickman catheter. Many of us have had those Hickman catheters, just a central line on my chest. I got an infection in that, ended up in intensive care. I was on uh, life support in a drug-induced coma for a month, and I was super sick. I was never expected to leave intensive care. When I did, I had to rebuild um, everything. Really, like I had to rebuild my body. I had to learn to walk again and stuff, but uh, I really also had to rebuild my mind. And that was the first time for me, Joe, when uh, my, my mindset, my mental game, so to speak, wasn't my strongest point. Like my body had failed me all over the place, right? Like these infections and uh, rigors and reactions to chemo and blood transfer, like all the shit that we've all had. Like I, my body was in and out and up and down all the time, but my mind was always strong, uh, except after intensive care. Um, it just totally destroyed my confidence. I had ICU psychosis. I was, I was in a bad place and I didn't understand, I wasn't rational. So I didn't understand that I could go to sleep tonight, for example, and that I was going to wake up in the morning. So like I went for a period there where I, I, I didn't sleep or, and then I was afraid to sleep. And then it was, it was a, it was a big period of recovery. It, that was probably, you know, the most intensely challenging time of my life. Um, and, and then uh, Again, like for so many of us, um, even in that time, you know, when things are intense, and I, I pretended cancer was hockey because I am Canadian after all. <laughs> but I did, like, I did pretend in my mind that each round of chemotherapy was like a game in this playoff series I was playing in my head. Talked about it like it was hockey. I had a hockey stick and jersey, and I'm, like I literally totally wrapped myself around this this strategy of hockey. Um, but, uh, like even when the hockey game's on the go in real life, the fans are in the stands and, and people are paying attention and they're cheering. Uh, but when the game is over, you know, eventually everybody leaves the stands and, and cancer is a lot like that when the action is high and the chemo's on the go and the hair's falling out and those kinds of things, the people are around often. And if, if we're lucky and, and, uh, but it's my experience and, and certainly the experience of so many survivors that when things settle down, um, everybody else goes back to their own life. And, and for, for me, that was certainly another hugely challenging part of the experience was when everybody kind of thought I was, I was getting back to good and their, all, their lives went back to normal, but mine sure didn't. So recovering from that, and I had a recurrence a couple of years later, and it was the same kind of experience where, you know, when the intention is on and the treatment's on and there was lots of attention, but eventually everybody's life has to go back to normal. It's not, um, I'm not blaming people for that. It's just a function of, of probably life and, and how it rolls, but it can be super tough. And I'm, uh, you know, I know um, you and so many survivors would have had similar kinds of experiences where just, you, you know, if you're, if you're lucky, you've got love and support when you're going through it. Um, but even then, most times uh, it fades away as, uh, as your recovery starts off in the case. And, and don't get me started on those bells in the chemo clinics, Joe. <laughs> yeah, but I'm so feeling you, Jeff, with uh, with what you uh, what you're saying about. Uh, I think you know people um, 
kind of taking a step back from your life. I think it's it's so common with, with uh, especially young adults. I think, you know, it's so different for, I guess, people who are older because um, I guess maybe their friends and family, they're kind of used to people going through shit. Like they, 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 they're more experienced than that. They know the right thing to do. They know kind of the right thing to say. And I think a lot of younger people, like they have no idea and they don't, they kind of expect you to just kind of, bounce back and into kind of whatever the life you you had before but um you're obviously in a place where things have changed and you're kind of trying to really figure out like wh- like who am i now and what are, like what am i gonna do right the similar sort of things i i guess and um so i guess what was what was uh, what was something that really helped you the most during those times of you, where you're trying to figure out like what to do with yourself? Uh, I mean, I, I had some excellent friends that were close and are still close and, and that helped a lot. Um, I had an email group. This is, this is quite a while ago, Joe. So there was no, there was no blogs, there's no social media, but I started an email group my first week in hospital. And that turned out to be like a life-changing decision. There's no question that led to to Yak. Like that, that was the start of that that outreach and the connection with people. And it actually unexpectedly kind of became like a support group. In the absence of me having connection with a lot of people, because I, I was isolated most often. So then, that that helped a lot. Just being able to process things. Like I, I again, I, I go through phases in my life where I'm journaling all the time, and then not that much, but. The, there is a, a really helpful process, uh, like talking, uh, any kind of expression to bring the stuff out from inside, right? So I found the writing and the emails to be super helpful. Um, and I, I did, uh, I went through this crazy uh, period of growth during, but, but then specifically after my first cancer challenge uh, and, and transplant and had tapped into some mentors um, that helped a lot as well. Just a just a, a ton of uh, wisdom and guidance around um, d- discovery of self. Cause I, I, I think <clears throat> when we talked about like my university days, my, my awareness had, had improved, but uh, nothing like after cancer uh, awareness of self and what was important and, and what I wanted to do and, and how I thought about the world. Like that, that had, that had evolved a lot. And, and I had a lot of help, with that evolution. And, and I, I feel like it's, it was one of the greatest gifts that I got from cancer was this, this, uh, this changed mindset about life and, and what's really important in it for me. And, uh, and those were the, some of the biggest pieces. And I think, you know, um, then having the opportunity, making the opportunity to, to do things. I, I, I deal through doing a lot of times. Um, so like processing writing is helpful, but, but then actually doing stuff. So getting out and connecting with people and, and uh, engaging, uh, it was a huge part of the, the healing for me. And, um, and it has continued to be so to be totally honest. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic, Jeff. And so in terms of uh, like, when you say journaling is, do you have a particular way of doing it? Uh, like, like how often do you do it? Like, how does it work for you? Yeah. So when I, um, when I had my first transplant, which was 22 years ago this week, 
I, um, when I had my first transplant, I had uh, someone had given me one of those simple little blue um, exercise books that they're bound, kind of hardcover. And, uh, and I just started writing in my journal the day of my first transplant. And uh, just what's on the go? What's in your mind? What was the playlist for my transplant? What was happening in my life? What were my counts like? What were my docs saying? Friends, like just whatever. And then I would definitely use that time and that space to reflect on where I was. And, uh, and that was basically me taking that email group that had been in very public for the previous six months, which I maintained. But, but then just basically allowing me to go inside and be more private with some of the thoughts and, and processing that I did. And I didn't have a, like a structure. I just wrote in it whenever I wanted, which is pretty frequently for a long time. And, uh, and then I continued. So when that book got filled up, I, I just, just kept adding books. And I have probably four or five of them from, uh, you know, both cancer experiences. And, um, you know, life carried on. So, uh, you know, the, the frequency of the writing tapered off. Uh, but it was, that's how I did it. It was really about, uh, you know, how, do, how am I feeling? And uh, do I have things that I want to just explore and talk about with myself? And that would often lead to me talking about it with other people too. But uh, there is some real, real incredible power, I think, in taking what's going on in your head and your heart and putting it on a piece of paper. Uh, and then just allowing yourself to see what, you, what you've written and what you're, what you're talking about and telling yourself that, I think, it can be incredibly powerful. Yeah, absolutely, Jeff. I mean, it's just... Um, it just gets, it, it helps you to really kind of make sense of of the craziness, right? Like especially when there's, it's so hard to really figure out what the hell is going on and and what to do next and make sense of what you feel or what you don't feel and and really, really kind of describe it and and I guess that helps you to uh, kind of figure out uh, you know kind of uh, what to do with yourself, but also the other part of it that like you mentioned is uh, first of all is doing it through journaling and finally finding a way to express yourself but also through that kind of connection like you did that through the email group uh which is just really cool and so tell me how did that obviously like you mentioned that that kind of planted the seed for uh, uh for yak so how did that kind of take on you know a, a life of its own uh you know in your life later it um I'm a, I'm a super intuitive decision maker. I, I balance that with the, with the, you know, the analytics and the data. And I, and I, and I like some of that, but um, a lot of my decisions in life are really made with my gut. And uh, a lot of my cancer decisions were made with my gut. Um, what felt right. And what was the, what, what path was calling or pushing me. Um, and uh, that's how Yak got started too. I mean, I started that email group and then um, as I was in the middle of treatment, probably my third, second, third round of treatment, I was um, just making notes on my computer one night. Uh, and I remember, cause I was, there's a very specific nurse of mine that interrupted me. I had, the first time I had the idea for Yak, what used to be called real-time cancer, um, was late one night in my hospital room because I used to sleep all in the day. So I'd be up a lot in the night with writing emails and uh, doing playing on my computer. So I was there and I had this idea that these emails might help somebody else someday. 
because I learned a lot about them and uh, about life. And, uh, and I had this idea that maybe I'm going to create an organization uh, to, you know, to share my experiences and the experiences of other young adults. Um, so I, I was writing that down and she interrupted me at like 2 a.m. in the morning. She just come in to check on me. And I said, don't forget this. This is a moment. I got an idea here. I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to take flight sometime. And I joke with her every now and then when I see her about that night. And um, it took a while, like it was a year plus later, more than a year later. But uh, that original idea <clears throat> uh, kept feeling right. And uh, even after my transplant, I was in, in uh, Princess Margaret Hospital in Toronto where I had my transplant and in clinic H there in the outpatients. And I, I had uh, with my dad and I wrote in my journal, I was like, my goal is to launch the organization within a year. I wrote that on uh, June 20th. Wow. 1999 and on june 15th 2000 so I, I got in under the wire by five days uh we started what again what's become yak <clears throat> uh, and that's kind of how it started and again i gotta say joe like there was three big things driving that decision um there was an element for sure that i knew i learned a lot and i felt like other people could benefit from that um there certainly was a, an element that uh, you know Cancer at 22 raises the awareness, I think, within us that we may not have 60 more years to make our mark. So um, there was a part of me that felt like I, I got to use my life to do something now. And uh, this is what it's going to be. And, and then that, that third part was really what I mentioned a minute ago is like the dealing through doing. Like I needed to process this thing. And starting Yak was a huge part of that. Um, uh, and I'm not shy about talking about that. There, there was a huge part of starting Yak that was self-serving to, to help me figure out what I had been through. Uh, you know, all of this crazy experience of the cancer and transplant and ICU and recovery. And um, I needed some processing. Um, what the fuck just happened to me? And <laughs> honestly, uh, the processing through doing it was incredibly helpful for me. So that those three things combined uh, to to help, you know, be the spark, if you will, that got the fuel, the fire of Yak going. Uh, and honestly, from the very first time I talked about it, it's been a team effort, man, like a big growing team effort. Um, way more people behind the scenes, uh, like anything cool and significant, I think it, it takes a, 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 a team or an army of people to make it happen. And, and Yak is no different. I, I say I get a disproportionate amount of the credit for the amazing stuff that we do. There's no question about it. Yeah, but you had the, you had the vision, Jeff, and I and I think it's such a powerful idea of really uh, what you were talking about. Really, just kind of processing through really contribution. I, I think that's so cool, man, because that is the best way to be. Because a you are kind of trying to really uh, you know re you realize that you know this yeah like you say there isn't there isn't time, and I think we we all go through this experience when it just hits you over the head and you realize man I, I i gotta do something i mean i i like for me it was like i also realized you know i i just i i've i i, I haven't had the time to do what i've always wanted to do in, and i didn't even know what i wanted to do but just just no i haven't done it yet 
<laughs> you know and i think that's just so powerful that you found a way to really and kind of you know and bring people kind of on the journey with you and you know and everyone i've uh kind of you know talked to around the act like with gabriel and, and alex and Karina and everyone just you know it's just incredible people who you know really want to make a difference i mean <laughs> how did you initially get a rally to the troops and just create such a you know, such a sense of uh, people wanting to be a part of this and 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 make a difference within, you know, with with the uh, with the act. You know, I think uh, so. Always been a dreamer, still a huge fan of dreams. Which you know, another word for dreams is goals for me. Um, but always been, always had ideas and and you know, dreams that I wanted to chase and. Um, I really am a huge believer, Joe, that, you know, the, the second most important thing in life is having dreams. The first and most important thing is what do we do with them? Uh, and I had a friend, uh, years ago, uh, complain to me about, you know, what she wanted to do with her life and this and that, and this and that. And she got all sucky and said, oh, I'm just a dreamer. And, and I said, Whoa, wait a minute. You're just a dreamer. You never find a dreamer. Uh, a bigger dreamer than me. And she said, you're not a dreamer because all your dreams come true. And I said, bullshit. First of all, all my dreams don't come true. I'm not playing defense for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But <laughs> the reality is the only dreams of mine that ever came true, Joe, are the ones that I took off the shelf, man. They're the ones that I went after. And a critical step, I think, in that process for everybody to, you know, unsolicited advice from me is you just got to start where you are. Uh, start where you are. And that's that's what I did. So I, you know, am, I'm here. I'm 23 or four by this time. I'm just recovering. Uh, I've got friends and family that are connected. Uh, I have a vision. Uh, I can create that vision of what I want to do. And then I start to talk to people about it. And I engage and I ask for their help. And, and people have stepped up ever since. I've been asking people for help for 21 years. And uh, people step up. Everybody doesn't say yes. Part of life for sure. Um, but people help. And, and then you take the next step on your vision and you keep stepping forward. And that is how, uh, how Yak was started and how it is, is where it is. Um, and we repeat that, man, you know, sometimes hundreds of times a day. Just asking for help, uh, having people jump in and fill new and different roles uh, to help, you know, grow the division and, and uh, expand the impact of the organization. And uh, Gabrielle and Alex and Kareen are, uh, you know, three of the incredible people that are connected to Yak and making huge contributions to Yak. Um, and and there's literally, you know, tens of thousands of them every year, Joe, that make us go. Like there is, you know. I'll tell you, I can, I can tell you all day, but like just yesterday, a kid signs up for the Shave for the Brave, which is our biggest fundraiser. This, this young guy, Sam, he's the same age as my middle daughter, Mira. Sam's dad just died a month ago. Um, he was a little over our age range. And uh, he's, uh, he was a great guy, Rob. And, uh, and Sam has been shaving his head for five years. Sam started shaving like in grade two or whatever the math is on that. And he gets his head shaved for yak, for young adults like me and you every year. 
and and he's in junior high now. His school isn't participating. COVID's got the shave all shut down. Sam is still going to shave for the Brave this year, man. Like that, there there are literally Joe. I could tell you we could take the whole rest of our day until I could tell you stories about people like that who help in all kinds of different ways, man. And uh, and it is it has been a huge team effort, which is why I get a disproportionate amount of the credit for the amazing things <laughs> we do. Uh, there's so many stories like Sam's and and Gabrielle's and Alex's and Karine who moved her whole life to Newfoundland to work at Yak. Um, there's literally, literally just thousands and thousands of them. And uh, honestly, man, I'm so grateful to be working with them all. And um, I'm excited about the, the things that we do and the impact that we make and the adjustments and the responsiveness that we have to the world around us and the mad environment, man. It's just, it's a, it's a pleasure to be on this team. And I, uh, I'm grateful for that, man. Yeah, that's that's beautiful, man. I just love it, and it's just uh, it's 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 a it's a fantastic environment to be. And I know that you guys are doing some fantastic things, and you've got uh, you guys have an awesome event coming up. So, talk to me about that. Yeah, man. Like, I I remember. Do you remember where you were when COVID hit? Like when the world changed? Like, uh, I remember where I was, man. Like two a year ago, I was in Winnipeg. And we were, honestly, I met with them yesterday, the, the Cancer Care of Manitoba in the center of Canada. We were going to host our, our conference there in 2020. And we had 130 spots over full. I had 130 people on the wait list. Uh, and I was meeting with the foundation to try and raise more money so we could open up more spots. It was already going to be our biggest conference ever. Um, we were pumped. Winnipeg was pumped. Uh, and, and I went home that night. Uh, to my hotel room and heard on, uh, on Sportsnet that the, the NBA canceled their season. And I was like, whoa, what? The NBA canceled their season. So that, like, that to me, that was the, one of those turning points where I was like, wow. The next morning, Manitoba found their first two presumptive cases of COVID and everything switched. Everything we went the day before we were like, let's get more money raised. Let's get more survivors. The next day was, uh, I don't think we're having this event. I mean, it took a few days for that to happen, but that's essentially what happened. Uh, so we went from this moment of mad uh, promo and excitement to face-to-face -face stuff to uh, shut down all face-to-face -face events. So that included the shape of the brave. So Sam and so many others uh, didn't get the chance to shave at their school or their office or in the mall or wherever. So uh, we had to adjust on that front. And then uh, on the program side, the same thing. I mean, you know, two thirds of our program resources were about the face to face stuff. So the retreats and the adventure and the conference, local life, which we run a social program and eight markets across the country. So, uh, you know, all those things were paused. So we did that. And I got to say, it probably took me two or three weeks um, to settle in and understand, like, what is going on? Like, how long is this thing going to be? How deep is it going to run? And very quickly, you know, as a, the ED part of my role, it's not just a survivor. The, the executive director part of my role is like, we have to survive this. Like, we got to come out the other side. Like my number one job right now is to make sure the organization can survive to be breathing on the other side of whatever this is. And 
that became the primary focus of my planning early. And honestly, on the program side, Karine, who you know, and Leslie and Gabrielle and Angie, like that, they dug in and, and they did this beautiful reactive response of this is the new environment. We know survivors still want to connect. We know the cancer didn't stop. The waiting rooms aren't as full, but cancer's still going on, man. So we did this, uh, we did this responsive, reactive jump to a whole bunch of new stuff. And honestly, some of it we've had on our wish list for a long time and never had the capacity to take on. So that was kind of fun and exciting on the program side. There's lots of challenges, lots of learning. But man, uh, you know, we can't wait to get back to face-to-face. But in the absence of that, this uh, digital space gives us um, a different kind of experience, but it's still meaningful and powerful for me to see you here today and to connect with you this way. And, and it, it can be the same for survivors. And, and honestly, you do give up some, I think, some intimacy, uh, Joe, because when you are here in my living room and we're having a beer, like that's going to be even better than this. But in the absence of that, when you are in the digital, you, you really gain in reach. The number of people that you can reach, as you know, Joe, through your podcast, like you can reach so many more people in this digital space than you can by those that you can bring together face to face. So we've been leaning into that. So we went virtual with our conference within five weeks. We had virtual conference for 326 instead of 130 and then did a series of web chats. Uh, Karine's hosting a, a weekly talk show with all kinds of experts jumping in. Um, a bunch of great stuff and a, a second virtual conference in the early part of the middle part of the winter. And amidst all of this early brainstorming, Karine had this idea that was really building on, uh, again, a, an idea we've had for a long time, which is to bring in a whole bunch of stakeholders together around the young adult cancer experience. So we've traditionally had our programs focused exclusively on young adult survivors and their young adult supporters, right? So that means your friends, your partners, siblings, um, but your parents couldn't come. And, and that was for, I think, really good reasons, because we were here to serve young adults first, and we wanted them to be their true, authentic selves. So, uh, so that was the focus of our programs. But in the digital space, as you know, it's pretty easy to keep the parents and the kids separated. <laughs> Send them to different Zoom rooms. <laughs> so, uh, so we are in the middle, like in the deep middle, maybe close to the end of the promo for Primetown, which is a summit for young adults and those who care about them. Uh, so the first time we'll have parents come, uh, for the first time we'll have health professionals, a big, huge contingent of them coming uh, from all disciplines, docs, nurses, social workers, psychologists, any, anybody who's interested, uh, students, researchers. Uh, so they're coming and they're gonna have, we're gonna have of course full plenary sessions with everybody. And then they're gonna have their customized streams where they're gonna get access to just incredible content. Uh, content that will come from experts and uh, across a whole variety of areas, but also content from survivors. So they get to hear, you know, another bunch of really powerful, compelling stories, uh, just like yours and mine, about how people, you know, how their life was before cancer, how they managed after, during cancer, and, and where they are today. Uh, and, and the, the, you know, the lineup of of experts is going to be incredible. We'll talk about sex. We're talking about cannabis. We're talking about Canada's new medical assistance and dying law made is for short. There's just a load of incredible content. So Primetown is, is our virtual summit. 
Uh, we're going to have over a thousand people there and uh, it's already the biggest thing we've done. We're almost at 600 now and we're the best part is you can uh, you can jump in anytime. So no plane ticket required, no registration fee. And Joe, it's open to anyone in the world, man. If you if you got a computer and internet co connection uh, and you want to get access to some of this content um, and hear these stories, uh, you should just register for primetime because you'll get access to all this all the content after you don't have to stay up in the middle of the night down there. You can get access to the content after uh, if the time zones don't work out. Um, but we're so excited about it, and it's just there are opportunities within the crisis, man. Sometimes you got to look really hard for them, but they are they are there, and and Primetown is one of those. And we're pumped to have Cancer Care Manitoba and their foundation right there with us, partnering with us on this. Yeah, that's the so fantastic, man, and just love hearing the fact that you took this this challenge in time and you can really reinvented what you guys are doing and really bringing it to kind of a whole new to a whole new level uh to to more people uh and just bringing in like um you know i, I love it you, you mentioned real things like you know like sex there's there's uh, you know all, all of the stuff that really people want to know about but you know you got to bring out those things out into the world so that's so fantastic so tell us how can how can you someone register for primetown where yeah, do you go primetown.ca so triple w dot primetown p-r-i-m-e-t-o-w-n just like it sounds primetown.ca and uh or just young adult cancer's website is have a whole bunch of other information but you can connect into primetown uh anybody can register uh, there are streams, like I said, there'll be streams for survivors who are young adults. There'll be streams for supporters who are young adults, streams for parents, and there will be uh, streams for health professionals of all disciplines will be included in there. Uh, super pumped to have Suleika Jawad uh, coming to hang out with us. Um, I've just finished her book a little while ago. I felt like I was reading a story about myself if I was a girl. Crazy. She had leukemia at 22, just like me, like the relationship stuff, the treatment stuff. It was, it was so powerful, and she's a, a much better writer than I am. Uh, but super pumped to have Suleika coming, and um, she's going to come, and, and we'll do an interactive chat, and then she's going to come back and do a, an actual direct Q&A uh, right with the people, uh, the participants of Primetown. So we're really pumped about that. Alex is on a road trip right now, a virtual road trip. Our mutual buddy, Alex. He's on a virtual road trip to Primetown. So he's interviewing guests and talking to survivors and you know our program team and uh, like it, the, the momentum is building and we're super pumped about it. Uh, and we would love to see anybody there. Like I said, it's open to anybody in the world. If, if you're living on planet earth and, and you've got an internet connection and you have a connection somehow to the young adult cancer cause, we would love to see you in Primetown. Beautiful. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for, for sharing this and and for the invitation to Primetown, which sounds like, you know, it's going to be an incredible event and you bring all these, uh, you know, fantastic people and, and just knowledge and, and just a connection, which is, I guess, the, the biggest thing out there. So, um, uh, and just lastly, I just wanted to say thank you so much for what you do in the world, man, because I think that's huge and uh, just uh, it's, uh, it's such a powerful uh, difference that you're making. So thank you. Joe, I appreciate the kind words, dude. I'm grateful to be here with you, man. And I can't wait till we're face to face sometime uh, down there or up here. And, uh, you know, keep using your voice uh, for good. The, the world needs more voices. They need to hear from survivors. And 
we really appreciate you, man. Thanks so much, Jeff. Uh, it's, I just love connecting with you, man. And um, yeah, love it, man. All right, dude. You keep taking care and I can't wait till the next time, whatever that is. Yeah, we'll, we'll make it happen. Love it. Thanks, Jeff. You take care, man. Hey, my friend, this is Joe Bakmutsky, host of the Simplify Cancer podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in because I know that this is an especially crazy time for all of us. And if you're struggling a little bit right now with the lockdown, with the COVID-19 pandemic, then I I, I urge you to check out my 14-day lockdown challenge. How to stay sane, steady, and strong in the time of pandemic. You know, each day I'm sharing what I've really learned from cancer about dealing with isolation, with worry and fear. And each day we're going to tackle a different topic. So if that sounds interesting to you, then go to 14-day, that's one for 14-day lockdownchallenge.com. Also, if you're a cancer patient who's going through, you know, potential cancer treatment right now, then I urge you to go to simplifycancer.com and check out some of the free tools that I've created to kind of help you out along the way. If you go to simplifycancer.com to the tools section, you're going to find out the outcome map, which just shows you how to really work through specific worries, like in milestones, like, like a checkup, or maybe some specific symptoms that you've got, like an ache or a pain. You're going to figure out what to do next. It's a really simple tool that can help you to really work through that. There's also online community guide, which is how to really find the top three online communities for most cancer. So you can really check in with people who've been through it before, like connect with them, ask questions. They're going to be there for you because they know exactly what it's like. You know what to expect from treatment and beyond. Also, I've got a PDF called your first oncologist visit checklist. And here I've got all the questions that you want to be asking your specialist. So you can just print it out and take it with you. There's room to make notes. And also make sure that you can kind of prompt the conversation and make sure that you really don't forget. The other thing I've got for you is the testicular cancer support kit. I've done a whole bunch of videos for you on the things that you can really you know, find out about dealing with testicular cancer from the perspective of someone who's been through it. This is not medical advice. This is just from my personal experience of dealing with cancer, things that, questions that you might have about fertility, about having sex, all of that sort of stuff, like how does it feel, different kind of things that can help you and guide you along the way and hopefully make your journey easier. So check that out as well. And speaking of my experience, you might also want to check out <laughs> Simplify Cancer, Man's Guide to Navigating the Everyday Reality of Cancer. This is the book that I wrote talking about the four main challenges that all of us guys must overcome when we're dealing with cancer. If you're interested in seeing what that's all about, go to simplifycancer.com. The links are pretty much <laughs> everywhere on the website and you know I'll tell you more about it. Other than that, thanks so much for tuning in. I'll talk to you next time.